Capturing on-camera experiences of everyday harassment, photographer Eliza Hatch retelling stories on film in the hope of giving women the courage to speak out. We tried to put his hand under my shorts. The conductor tapped my ass. And they kept him following me. His hand was going up my skirt and I, my body somehow froze. You know, no one intervened. Cheer up love, a phrase sometimes shouted at women on the street. They're photographed in places where harassment has happened. Catcalling to curb crawling, this campaign covers it all. Hello and welcome to the Cheer Up Love podcast with me, your host, Eliza Hatch. Joining me today is my dear friend, the amazing artist Michaela Yearwood-Dan. I first met Michaela when we studied together at Brighton University back in 2013, which feels like a lifetime ago now. Since then, Michaela has gone from strength to strength, graduating with a first in painting, showing at the Bloomberg Contemporaries, and then soon after, she was accepted onto the prestigious residency at the Saraband Foundation. Michaela is now represented at Tiwani Gallery, where last year she had a solo show. As a friend, and someone who's seen her grow as an artist since the first year of art school, I'm overwhelmed with pride in her achievements, and I can't wait to see what she does next. So without further ado, let's welcome Michaela onto the show. And just a trigger warn, we will be reading out an experience of sexual harassment later in the show. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this again, even though we've already recorded an entire podcast episode <laughs> before that's unusable, but let's just do it again. Okay. <laughs> no, but seriously, thanks. How's You're it welcome. going? <laughs> it's going all right. Got those Sunday feels on, ready for Monday. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, I mean, you've been so so busy at the moment it seems every time I'm seeing you online you're like in a new magazine or you know <laughs> being interviewed by Margaret Atwood or something <laughs> I wasn't interviewed by her I just responded to a poem yeah I mean that was insane I was like what <laughs> can you just how did that like what was that about that was so cool so uh Harper's Bazaar a magazine that I've worked with them a couple of times before this within features that weren't like solely about me but they have been a really nice support of my work mm. I got a email from Helen Lee who is their arts director um, of Harper's Bazaar UK and she'd asked me if I'd be interested in doing this project which would be responding to a poem by Margaret Atwood and that it'd be a really quick turnaround and like if that would be something I was interested in obviously I said yes didn't hear mm. back for a little while so thought that you know it wasn't gonna be me that was gonna be the artist chosen and then it was like that really hot heat wave day and I got this email through and I was like whoa, mm. whoa I need air <laughs> I was like in the traffic jam I was like, what do I do and they needed it in like 10 days and I was about to be out of town for like three. Oh my like, god okay let's not panic <laughs> yeah I did it in three days bloody hell so that was the first time I featured in Harper's in 2018 for their Women in Art supplement. Mm. Well, I bought the magazine with your cover on it. <laughs> I had to. So a bit of context, people listening. We actually know each other from way, way back. We studied and lived together in Brighton. Mm -hmm. And a lot has changed since then, to say the least. In mm -hmm. four years, you've had multiple residencies, a solo show, now gallery representation, and so much more. And you're appearing in magazines left, right, and centre. And it's kind of overwhelming to see it's really incredible did you ever think that this um, would be the case when we were in brighton no and yes <laughs> you, you so manifested well, it, didn't you? okay you, like you are a manifester i was like i didn't think i was gonna be like in magazines and shit yeah 
I worked so hard at uni <laughs> that I was like, if anyone gets success <laughs> from, from this godforsaken course that I've worked my butt off <laughs> on, <laughs> it better be me and like a selection of like a few of my friends <laughs> on that same course. I was like, it better be us. And you know what? It, it has been. So. <laughs> I do to all of you. Like of that painting year, I can think of a few people that are smashing it at the moment, including yourself. Yeah, we're doing all right. Doing all right is, yeah, an understatement for sure. If anyone's seen Michaela's work, then mm. it's probably a lot easier to just go directly to Instagram where you can find it at artist and gal. But yeah, so if our listeners aren't familiar with the kind of work that you do and if they haven't seen you on the cover of Harper's Bazaar, could you talk to us a bit about what your work looks like and the inspiration behind your painting? So I make large-scale abstract botanical well botanically influenced paintings that have a bunch of the different sort of like cultural signifiers and down to like the color palette used representing sort of like millennial trends mm. and flowers and beautiful stuff that they kind of like works as this cathartic release and they incorporate poetry and song lyrics and mm. written by myself and other people and yeah I don't. I find it so hard to talk about my work at the best of times, let alone a Sunday evening. I will just definitely advise everyone to just go and look at your work online because it's absolutely stunning. And I remember before you told me about how people can like take different meanings from the prose and poetry that you have in your paintings. Mm. And some of the poetry you have is actually like quite deep, but then other mm -hmm. bits are just lyrics that you've taken from songs that other people have seen as like mm -hmm. kind of sentence hanging on its own and just take a completely different meaning from it. What was the one? Yeah. What was that one that you told me about before? I've forgotten. It was the one about Instagram ads. Oh, yeah. That one. <laughs> so I used to paint more figuratively, mm. I should add. And then like I had the end of an era with some dude and I was also given this opportunity to have this really amazing studio residency and was just really like at wit's end with what work I was going to make and so I started that's how I started mm. writing things into my work kind of like made like a return back to abstract painting mm. so sort of lots of the things in there were the kind of things that you would work through with yourself mentally after a breakup so like mm. regurgitating like text messages that you wanted to send or you didn't send or that you had sent and like going over these things that had been said and what hadn't been said and yeah so lots of the language was very much like that then like I kind of started to get over it and but I found this kind of use of language really fun and interesting mm. so there's one painting and I was in one of the sections quite sort of like clearly engraved into the paint. I wrote, you've always known me better than I've known myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it said like even in my darkest moments or something. And what I was actually referring to was my the algorithm of Instagram and all the apps, the ads that they would show you. <laughs> and you'd just be like, ooh, do, 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 let me just go on to ASOS and buy this thing. Um, I didn't need it before. Ooh, Donnell did you say <laughs> do I need new plates <laughs> on reflection if you first read that quote you think oh okay this is really deep and then when you give the reveal oh it's actually talking about Instagram ads people will be like oh okay it's not that deep yeah but now 
looking into it further, I don't know, the Instagram algorithm and those sponsored ads, like, I think it's they're deep. quite deep. Like... It is deep. It is, it is deep. Like, we've all experienced, if not directly ourselves, but by other people, like shadow banning. We've all watched The Social Dilemma. We've all lost precious hours of sleep yeah, it scrolling is, it is. <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, we've all seen exes doing shit we don't want to see exes doing. Horrid. <sighs> You've cracked Instagram. I figured it out, though. <laughs> well, no, and yes. But, like, it's really basic. So, like, okay, cool. Like, you stalk your ex or your your, your mm-hmm. partner's ex, because that's yeah. the kind of shit I do. And, like, you do that. What you need to do after that is go onto a page whose content you actually like and just like a, f- a bunch of things or save a bunch of things mm. because then that's all that Instagram will throw at you because it won't start throwing the one time you went secretly <laughs> into the dark depths of, of, of your ex's Instagram page, where like you're like trying to not click things you know oh my god I always do that and like accidentally follow the person yeah <laughs> I'm so unsubtle yeah I know you on are. social media <laughs> I know a joke I know. I'm always like scrolling through and I'm like like <laughs> for god's sakes right so let's get back into the let's get back into the serious stuff hit me with it we love that stuff we love just (laughs) love getting into it because this year has not been serious or hard-hitting enough for anyone (laughs) it's been such a breeze 100 percent. but you i mean you seem to be extremely busy in this time and also like that's kind of amazing because it's been quite a mixed response Mm. for artists in the pandemic with being unemployed or like as grace and perry said sifting oh, out the dead wood did you hear don't, say don't that want to talk about it. it was a, it was I don't want to talk. honestly do you know what pisses me off about it the most is that i go in ebbs and flows with grace and perry and i was on Same. i was currently in like a, a good place a, like a, a yeah, good yeah, place yeah. we were in a good place i love the little lockdown show yeah was here for it it was very sweet yeah but that comment no, honestly, fuck you, Grayson. Yeah, it was unfortunate. It was just a bit kind of like, it just, it did seem Tone death. a little bit. Tone death. Yeah. Like, also, why do people keep on asking old white men their opinions on things? Especially one who's quite mm-hmm. well. He's he's rich. He's a, you mean, you what you wanted to say is one that is a very successful rich man. Yeah. Who has multiple streams of income because he makes documentaries, writes books sells artwork yeah. and is just like a household name yeah no he's he's actually he's very well positioned in the art world now so yeah just so like i don't care about what you have to say unless it's something positive yeah it's just so hard because obviously so many artists work have joined up so many institutions have had to like fire their employees hate fire those of their employees uh-huh. like obviously the pandemic has been really hard hitting on everyone and galleries got like a two-month window or something where they could open up again but it's right. just obviously just not enough to be sustainable and like so many people have had their shows cancelled or cut Mm -hmm, short mm -hmm. you know it's been brutal for the art world really genuinely heartbreaking i think Mm -hmm. so those comments Mm -hmm. were just really unneeded i would say absolutely yeah but talking about organizations 
and especially the art world in particular and like with everything that's gone on this year with like Black Lives Matter mm. there's been a lot of conversation around maybe art institutions not mm. doing enough or doing the wrong thing or I mean what's your perspective on like the Philip Guston thing for instance oh stupid I'd be interested to hear because I mean most people <laughs> I speak to are just like yeah obviously stupid obviously it's stupid you know when you're just like I don't even like I feel like no comment is my answer because it's just like dumb 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 decision insensitive mm-hmm. to his existing family that is here also like why are we making allowances for white supremacists mm-hmm. i don't know why why are we still doing that and art world of all the places mm-hmm. how can you give shows big renowned exhibitions to literal rapists and then be like like gogan like i'm just mm-hmm. let's put his name out there Gauguin and mm-hmm. problematic then like Picasso. Picasso, very problematic, exactly. Yeah, like not quite, not quite a child molester. I didn't actually know that about Gauguin. Gauguin, when he went to no. Polynesia and all those like paintings of the Polynesian women. Yeah. And like he was out there like painting these half naked young girls mm. and sleeping with them and stuff and like he's great. Well, this is the thing. I feel like in the in so many contradictions within the art world within the, you know society in general about mm-hmm. the kind of artists that and that we will profile and the ones that we won't and I think everyone kind of mm-hmm. jumped on the bandwagon a bit of like oh okay well you know we can't possibly do anything that will offend anyone without understanding the context at all of like Augustine and his work and it's like mm-hmm. just because he I mean for anyone who's not listening anyone who is listening who is unfamiliar with this Michaela do you want to oh, no, do a little exp- explanation <laughs> okay um the Tate what it was the Tate wasn't yeah. it yeah we're gonna put on a big show of Philip Guston works this year but it was just after the Black Lives Matter movement when that was going on in its full force and lots of sort of institutions have been called out for lots of things and mm-hmm. they pulled the show because Gustin used to paint Ku Klux Klan figures but in like a mocking and ironic way and was like obviously very much anti that there's video footage of him talking about how he's anti it as well like Like famously very anti this it's not like the man was around before we have like video evidence or and like of his actual yeah opinions on the stuff you know like yeah it 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 ruffed a lot of feathers basically when it got pulled and it's i suppose another interesting kind of topic or example of how our institutions are maybe getting it wrong yeah. <laughs> a little bit well they've been getting it wrong and continue to get it wrong yeah. and then anytime they get it right yeah they want like a massive round of applause and it's like babes i can't applaud you for this one yeah. this one win continue to Honestly. do better I mean, have you experienced any reactionary responses from the art world during this time? Because it's been obviously like a very, yeah, I suppose reactionary time for a lot of people. We've seen a lot of performative activism, a lot of performative posting, a lot of sort of like Mm -hmm. statements, like a lot of statements. Mm -hmm. But obviously because of the pandemic, we haven't really seen much of that come into action apart from like mass unemployment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I was wondering, have you had any sort of direct dealings with this kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, in terms of like Instagram, every other person, when they discovered that Black Lives Matter around about late May this year, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were like, oh, can you like do this interview Mm -hmm. 
on my page so i was having to tell a lot of people no or like being tagged mm-hmm. in things by like little white art bloggers mostly female hashtagging me as black artists black lives matter and me having to tell them to literally take my name out of their mouth and off their page because that's not mm-hmm. my existence isn't political in that way and not in the way that they can use it to, you know, soothe their white guilt. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested. You know, obviously there were like some more like interesting things that came off it, like you know, like interviewing the Guardian. That was like yeah, that was an amazing interview. Well, yeah, that's obviously something that came off the back of Black Lives Matter, the resurgence of that, and looking at arts and culture in the UK. Um, but yeah, that was like an interview with another Black woman run by a Black woman, so it felt more authentic. Yeah, I think there were just lots of people realizing that and there is literally no other way to say this but lots of people realizing that black lives matter and them then being like okay so let me then get these people to do some free labor for me because like i'm just trying to champion them or whatever and it's just a bit like when you have that like once you know you can bear it but then like when it's 10 times in one week you're like okay literally do one but then Mm. I guess it's more important when like it's people with money because obviously I'm a commercial artist Mm -hmm. working with a gallery that works primarily with black artists so you know that's a tip-tap google search away and I'm sure that's probably helped in the sales of black art this year yeah I mean, I suppose it's like a bittersweet pill, isn't it? Because obviously with all of the exposure and with the people tagging you in things or asking for your opinion on things or bringing you into things that you didn't necessarily want to be brought into just because the fact that you are Mm -hmm. a black artist during a time, like a really turbulent time, Mm -hmm. especially for black people. And Mm. I think, I mean, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this because obviously there's lots of cultural signifiers in your work, like feminism and millennial culture and blackness and all of this sort of stuff. And I was just wondering, just because you are a black artist and people bring you into things that you're like hey like I'm actually not making work about that but you're just like making Mm. the association for me just because of what you like see on paper Mm -hmm. rather than taking the time to look at the work itself yeah I forever have people being like oh yeah like your works exploration of your Caribbean heritage and I'm like where do you see that Mm. where do you read that and where do you see that because that's that doesn't compute to me because that's not that's not on the forefront of what my work's about at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's obviously after having seen a picture of me. I think as an abstract black female painter, I feel like people don't often see me as being like politically black because I don't make work in that's explicitly about identity, mm-hmm. like with figuration, which is like the way people most understand like understand Mm -hmm. identity the most so like I kind of get the opposite actually I think people are usually quite shocked to realize how politically inclined I am and sort of how many opinions I have because they're like oh but she makes like this like beautiful pretty work so for me it's quite fun to like get my foot in the door that way and then be like ha 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 what donations have you made like like, why are you the way you are don't talk to me like that I don't have to take it like I won't take it and I am far too 
be smart and intelligent to put up with your bullshit and I'm still going to make really beautiful pretty work about leaves and acrylic nails and beautiful things because I can and that in itself is a political statement to not live up to, like live up to the pigeonhole that society wants to place me in yeah 100% and you're only really gonna find that out if you take the time to like actually talk to you about your work rather than just mm-hmm. repost an image of you or mm-hmm. uh, one of your photos without your consent and a hashtag mm-hmm. or like tag you in something <laughs> where you're like uh, you know I actually didn't want to be tagged in that like, I just think with that kind of stuff, you always ask yeah. first. Like, it's not hard. Literally. Because sometimes I'll say yes and sometimes I'll say no. But I'll always be polite. Yeah. If you ask my permission. If you don't ask my permission. Like, I don't actually think that I owe you any politeness because apparently you didn't think I had autonomy over myself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. Like, if I'm going to repost something, yeah. like, I always ask first. It's just... Mm-hmm. even if you do if someone does repost something and doesn't ask you and tags you in it anyway I, I still find it quite shocking to like see your work pop up somewhere and you're like oh okay oh, I didn't know that you yeah. could just screenshotted that and I suppose that is the difficulty of being an artist and being on Instagram and like all of this kind of stuff because mm-hmm. of you know things mm-hmm. being screenshotted and posted and shared so much and you basically signing away all mm-hmm. of your rights to like everything once you've put something on social media mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that's just how it gets a little bit tricky but I do think there should be just like a basic level of decorum I think between people on Instagram especially if you're like gonna call yourself a curator or call yourself someone who's like sharing art <laughs> interrupting this briefly to talk to you about something we should all talk more about periods I didn't get my first period until way after my friends did. So I literally always thought they were overreacting when they complained about cramps. I also didn't realise that you can get cramps anywhere, not just in your tummy. So when it finally happened to me, I actually had no idea what was going on because my whole body felt like I had just run an entire marathon the day before. And I quickly realised, wow, my friends weren't overreacting. Now, I'm not really a huge fan of taking painkillers unless I absolutely have to. So when I discovered Day's CBD infused tampons, I was super keen to try them out, and to my surprise, they actually work. There are also all of my favourite things, which are dye and pesticide-free, organic, clinically validated, plastic-free, and they come in the most gorgeous packaging, reusable pouches, and the cutest aluminium tin. To get £5 off your first box, use my discount code CHEERUPLOVE at the checkout when you visit yourday.com. That's spelled D-A-Y-E. Thank you, day. I don't know sometimes it's great sometimes it's positive sometimes it's not and often it's just how it's framed that makes me like like varies how I feel Mm -hmm. even like sometimes when they like literally have clearly gone onto my galleries page and there's like copied and pasted their bio I just think yeah you know someone wrote that you know someone was paid to write that part of their job was to learn about my work and write that and you've copied and pasted it for a caption instead of actually internalizing yourself and rewriting it like if this was school <laughs> you would fail if this that was would be school, plagiarism you'd, you'd be kept behind after class <laughs> it's you know 
So it does make you lazy, though, doesn't it? Like Instagram makes everyone lazy, and also like, mm-hmm. well, basically, what I'm trying to say is like, I think Instagram has just made people just like want like like instant gratification, want yeah, just like f- feel like you know they are owed something basically mm-hmm. by you and by everyone, and to the point where you just get people demanding things of you or like being well if you if we were standing in the same room together like you I don't think you would be asking this of me in that tone or yeah you know absolutely absolutely like I see so many people with like significantly larger following than I have and some being friends some being people that I'm Mm -hmm. just like interested in and I see like the comments that they share of like what people in their dms are saying to them and I'm just like who the hell do these people think they are like little jenny mc alpine in fucking arkansas like who the hell (laughs) do you think you are like i don't know who you think you are to to turn around and tell people what you need from them so like there's this there's this um she runs a podcast a couple of podcasts you know do you know flex yeah with bobo and flex that they're like they run a podcast yeah so like flex she runs these like these cards called like the reflex game and it's like they're cards with critical thinking questions on them so like think never have i ever but like with critical thinking Mm -hmm. and they're really interesting and someone turned around to her bear she can she creates them herself Mm -hmm. gets them manufactured prints them herself and sends them out herself and she was just like you know like what kind of type subjects would you like to hear more about and some and like she was like basically being attacked for not having a lot of queer content in these cards and she was just like hold up I am a straight cis black woman like I don't I can't talk on the queer experience in like that kind of depth of a critical level to then turn around and financially profit Mm. off it like so no I will not be making more queer content like I make enough sex content Mm -hmm. and some of those might lean into uh, an exploration of like gender lines and you know biological sex sex lines and stuff but like that's not the content that I need to make there are Mm -hmm. hundreds and thousands of queer influencers you can follow that you can find these kind of like critical thinking questions and discussions on their platforms but to expect that from me a woman who's already out here being a minority who is not queer is just like you like it's kind of Mm -hmm. outrageous to expect that from someone and I like I totally agree like it's not her thing to speak on. Yeah, I think because we're getting used to seeing more and more and more now, like anyone of influence of any, you know, demographic just being encouraged to be mouthpieces for all types of issues that are affecting the world, just because that's the way that we like receive and share news. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. what happens with that is then like once you do start talking about lots of different things and maybe not in depth and maybe not a great length, mm-hmm. then other people and your followers feel like they can say well what you should be talking about this and if you're talking about that then why aren't you talking about this and at that point you sort of stop treating people as individuals and start treating them as news sources basically and mm-hmm. I think it's really important to be able to get all of your news and all of your information from lots of different diverse sources exactly literally yes 
Like I realized the other day that I wasn't watching the news enough. Mm. So now I watch the news in the evening on the actual TV. Oh, wow. Old school. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a TV in my flat. And I thought, do you know what? Maybe instead of turning it on and going straight to Netflix, I could. I know this is wild. Let me just see what's happening in the world today. Wow. And what the weather for the week is looking like. Because I know my iPhone app does never gets it right. So... No, I mean, fair dues. I mean, yeah, that's pretty retro and props to you for <laughs> getting the old TV out. I just love it. I know. I I'm, absolutely love I it. I do it like once a week now, like watch TV, like actual TV yeah. on Friday night or something. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I kind of like it actually. It's yeah. it's so stress-free. I you're like, it. obviously, unless you're watching the news, but you're just like, I don't have to like, you know, yeah. pick anything. I can just relax and just watch something. Like Bake Off. Or Naked Attraction. <laughs> yeah, Naked Attraction. Fantastic. Oh Gogglebox. Gold. Amazing. Television gold. Gogglebox. Best. Best show. What I quite like about Gogglebox is that I feel really current with what's going on on TV if you watch Gogglebox because they've done all the watching for you. Because you're watching it's, the TV. They've done it for you. So yeah. yes. you know what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So this is the part of the show where we read out a submitted story of sexual harassment from a member of the Cheer Up Love community to read out and discuss and myth bust. And this story was sent in by Hannah. I was walking past a group of guys and one tried to grab my arm to get my attention. I took my headphones out and looked at him in disgust while he asked me, Oi, where are you from? I literally thought, not today. So I continued on my journey. As I walked off, I heard his friend say, she's ugly anyway. Don't touch me. (laughs) Stop touching people. Honestly, this whole thing of like asking people to take their headphones out, it's cropped up time and time and time and time again. And it's like, do you know why I'm wearing headphones? Honestly. It's because I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) Honestly, this goes for creepy men on the street and people in the workplace as well. Like I remember at university, yeah, I was I was the busybody who organized everything because I was good at organizing shit and I wanted to get everything correct. So organize it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, that people just assumed that I had time for everyone, and it's like, no, no, I'm friendly. So if I'm giving you my time. (laughs) I would say 80% of the time that if I've not chosen to give you that time, if you are, if you're taking that time from me, I don't want to give it to you, but I'm nice. Mm -hmm. So I will give it to you, but I resent you for making me take out my headphones. I, one day during a day at uni was so angry that people kept on stopping me and like making me take my earphones out that I walked to Tiger and I bought the brightest coloured headphones in the world so that people could oh see God. that I was listening to music. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it didn't even work. It should be a deterrent, it but didn't it's even not. Work. If anything, I think it encourages people. Yeah. You know? I think it's like, oh, let me see if I can get your attention. Yeah. Like, so many people I speak to, they're just sort of like, oh, I'm putting my headphones on, like, I don't want to talk to someone. Like, I'll see someone in the corner of yeah. my eye and they'll be doing that beckoning thing where they, like, beckon to their ear yeah, and they're like, no. can you just, can you take can we just take headphones no and it's i'll take one ear off yeah i'll move one ear away and then just be like what yeah <laughs> like I'm it's busy. this again it's entitlement once again yeah it's literally once again it's like, i don't owe you my time and also if i'm listening to music and i can't see you or i can see you and i'm still choosing to listen to music don't touch me mm-hmm 
mm-hmm. and don't and don't touch me. Make me take out my headphones. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking. I'm talking to the the man and all the many men and all the people who do stupid things like this. If you're gonna make someone take off their headphones and you touch them, I beg you. I beg you with all my soul, every ember in my being. <laughs> everything that i have ask them a better question honestly <laughs> ask them a better fucking question ask them a better question really romantic way to start a conversation isn't I it i don't even i i'd ask them a better question how did you meet oh it was when that guy grabbed me off the street told me to take my made me take off yeah sent off and asked me where i'm uh-huh. from yeah that's where i'm from how we started dating where i'm from really cute literally really like, cute what the hell that's not even that's not a good question it's a shit question it's a bad question it's a very it's an awful way to start off a thing and the whole, grabbing someone's arm hell no taking off the headphones pl- just no like just definitely no and then asking someone where they're from and that's like it's honest so low on the list of small talk questions to ask it's pretty and i know i know this girl yeah this girl clearly clearly is obviously like racially ambiguous clearly clearly what that's what he means by this if this man was like sitting on the wall and asking she's probably racially ambiguous like he's just like where where could she possibly be from what is this woman mm. where is she from like not your business and also i demand you you tell me that. i demand you tell me yeah like no i must know i've seen you and i must know you must tell me but the thing is it's just like there are so yeah, like we've spoken about this. There is, like, if you want to find out that question, you could find that out after engaging in a proper conversation with someone. Exactly. It's a terrible, it's just a terrible way to start that conversation. It's kind of just like, are these thoughts popped into my head and I just need mm-hmm. you to answer mm-hmm. it for me immediately? And because, you know, I, I feel entitled to that. And then you yeah. know, moving on from that, the whole kind of like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. if that person's not receptive to that, obviously, like, why would you be? If the person is not reciprocating your advances, it suddenly turns to the whole kind of like, oh, yeah. she's ugly anyway. And it's like, oh, okay. Fuck off. She's not, obviously not ugly. If that's... You made her take off her headphones if that what, You her. wouldn't be asking yeah. a question. You exactly. Wouldn't... This is the thing that frustrates me with this it's the immediate the immediate rejection Mm -hmm. turns Mm -hmm. into the aggression and turns into the whole kind of oh well you know whatever like i'm not interested like uh, you're gross blah 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 blah. you'd hear that all the time you're like as soon as someone's you act like you're not interested in someone they're just like she's not that nice anyways oh she's exactly she's she's not all of that Nah, she's buzz anyways oh my god literally my childhood just oh my god honestly that happened to me in like more of an adult state. I don't know, like maybe I was like like twenty two or something. It happened to me, and I like rejected the guy's advances, and mm-hmm. he was like, "You're not that nice." And he was like, "No, no, no, no." And I turned back around. I was like, "No, no, mm-hmm. I am. No, no, that's the that's the that's, that's where you're wrong. I am." But the thing <laughs> is, I don't want to be anywhere near you, and I'm completely uninterested in you. And you've been rejected, and now you feel embarrassed because your boys are sitting there, and like what? What are you going to say to that? Like, And then they all sit and they'll be like, oh, oh, my God. And that's like, shut up, all of you. You're all pathetic. Pull yeah. up the trousers, piss off, get out of my face. Honestly, it's like, I am, I am nice. You wouldn't know that because you haven't asked a very nice question. Like, you've, just, you've not asked anything relevant. Honestly, I just feel like there are so... Well, that's the thing. Yeah, there, there are ways you can actually talk to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you don't know without mm-hmm. 
sexualizing them in the first one second and I think this is the like really crucial conversation to have because a lot of the time it's like we are completely shutting down that conversation by being like no we want to break down the lines of communication between men and women like you know this is just like not something that wants to like happen and that's also problematic in a way because then lots of people will rally against that Mm -hmm. and that's also why there's been such a backlash like me too Mm -hmm. and stuff and I just think Mm -hmm. if we were having a conversation more about how we actually communicate with each other in a respectful and engaging way which is not dehumanizing or sexualizing then maybe these interactions would go yeah. a bit better in the future. Like maybe we wouldn't be so fearful Absolutely. of being spoken to on the street Absolutely. by strangers. If- because I don't think there's actually anything wrong, entirely wrong with someone expressing to you that they are romantically or like physically attracted to you, as long as they say it with some sort of like respect on it and they're treating you like a human rather than like a sexual being. Mm. But like, I remember really like, as like a teenager, reading Cosmo and I remember them talking about like women flirting with men I remember this article so clearly because I remember I only took away one thing from it and it was like oh to one of the things you should do when complimenting a man is compliment him Mm -hmm. on his style and I think that goes for humans compliment them on their choices like if you try if you politely compliment someone on their choices so i.e a book they're reading the choice of clothes they're wearing or like Mm. you know their glasses or their earrings or like something like that if you like compliment them on their choices you've complimented their mind you've literally just complimented how they choose to present to the world and the choices they make and things that actually take intellect to arrange like you've complimented them not for the size of their ass their tits their hair their skin color you're you're complimenting them on like something deeper than the superficial well exactly and i think obviously it's going to be different for like lots of different people like lots of yeah lots of different people will just not want to be approached at all in in public absolutely lots of people will feel uncomfortable with anyone sort of talking to them but i think so much of that also is because there is this fucking deep fear ridden fear in most yeah most people and a lot of women in are just going about their lives in public whether you are a cis pet woman whether you're non-binary like any of these things we've you have a fear mm-hmm. as, as anybody as a trans woman as a trans man as a gay man there is if you're anything but the norm of like a cis straight white man <laughs> like i think a lot of people do have a fear about being mm-hmm. you know spoken to and then approached on the street so i think yeah it just comes down to like mm-hmm. we need to get better at communicating well literally well this is it it's like we need to get better at communicating we need to get better at being rejected yes god we do honestly as humans not just men but as humans in general we all need to get better at being rejected yeah. i think you know when people talk about like art world successes and that kind of stuff i am really stoic when it comes to rejection mm-hmm. like it might hurt me and i might go home and be sad about it mm-hmm. but if i get rejected for something you will not know how i'm fully feeling mm-hmm. unless i choose to let you know if you're like in the inner circle because i the hot like we just need to get better at being rejected because not everything is for you not everything is meant for you so true you move on it's like but like guys doing this shit on balls it's like it's not a sport honestly this girl's day it's not a sport no and you're not owed anything as well you're not that's the main takeaway i think it's mm-hmm. like you know you're not owed anything by someone rejecting you or if you've expressed an interest in somebody or an interest in someone that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be reciprocated and you should go into that 
knowing that and expecting that and thinking that that's kind of fine like if you're not interested in me fine because Mm -hmm. what are the chances that someone actually would be like you know what I mean like honestly like it just doesn't make any sense to me it's just like why why are men so bad at being rejected honestly (laughs) well thank you hannah so much for sharing your story with us thanks hannah if anyone listening would like to send in their story to be discussed on the podcast then please do submit via the website and if anyone is listening to this and has also experienced something similar then i will be obviously sharing resources in the show notes like i always do so please have a look there if yeah if anything has come up for you listening to this lastly thank you so much Rahela, for your time and thoughts for round two i appreciate <laughs> it so much um but right before we go yeah and wrap things up what do you have coming up next if you can talk about anything and also where can people find you and your amazing work the internet artist and gal is where you can find me i am there regularly what have i got coming up can you talk about anything you have coming i up? mean I have like shows next year that are like TBC because COVID. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got I've got a group show in New York coming oh up. Oh my god, that's so exciting! Yeah, that's happening in January. Well, that's so exciting! Congrats. Thank you. So yeah, please go check Michaela's workout. Follow her on Instagram. <laughs> buy her work support it anywhere you oh my god don't buy my work your followers can... <laughs> don't don't make them buy my work <laughs> this isn't an ad they can't okay, anyone rich <laughs> anyone who's rich. really rich okay man. yeah yeah you know what? i just like it just save a few things tell your rich nan yeah exactly just only if you're rich but if you're not rich don't bother because you can just like it on instagram instead yeah yeah engage with me get that engagement up get that engagement up (laughs) oh well thank you so much again and for giving up your sunday evening to me i really appreciate it you're welcome bye bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cheer Up Love podcast and a special thanks to my guests for coming on and to the members of the Cheer Up Love community for sending in your stories. If you would like to submit your story to the podcast then just DM us on Instagram or submit via our website. If you like what you've been listening to please subscribe and leave a review. It would mean a lot. And also lastly an extra special thank you to Alex Grews who composed the wonderful music that you've been listening to.